Let's get into the Word now, and I really believe that uh, God wants to speak to us this morning. And uh, let's make a real effort now to just connect into what God wants to do. I had a sense before, as I was just briefly sharing before with highs and offerings, that some of you are thinking about Christmas shopping, and some of you are thinking about other things. And so let's really focus on the Lord, because uh, God wants to do something in our lives. And folks, the year is not over yet. Um, I'm also aware that you know a number of you are really looking forward to a break, and hopefully you'll get a break somewhere. You know, most people have been working hard, and uh, it's good to get to the end of the year and kick back a little bit and, uh, and, and everything. But let's not kick back spiritually. Let's keep spiritually alert and keep our spiritual disciplines up and everything else, because how do you know the devil doesn't take a holiday? The devil does not go on holiday. He just, uh, just tries to come in sideways and tries to attack and everything. And, and how do you know God's not on holiday? So, um, Jesus is not holiday. The Bible tells us that he ever lives to make intercession for us. It's good to know that Jesus is praying for us so that we keep up our spiritual discipline and stay spiritually strong and spiritually alert. All right, so um, praise God. We're looking forward to having lunch together later on, and, uh, and it's uh, practically ready, so there's not much preparation time. So as soon as we finish the service, we head on out there, and uh, this is, of course... Uh, um, as has already been pointed out, appreciation lunch. Lunch is provided, and it's really a way of Pastor uh, uh, and myself and our senior leaders to be able to say thank you guys for, uh, for the whole year, for serving and giving and praying and doing all the things that you're doing. Uh, as I say, it's just a token of our appreciation, and God wants you to know that he appreciates what you do in, uh, in his kingdom and in the church. This morning, I will definitely pick up on what we talked about last Sunday. I had a sense last week that we weren't going to say everything that could be said on this whole thing in one service, so we're spilling over into the second service and discussing the whole issue of disappointments. And I said that uh, we all experience disappointments in life, and uh, you know our ability or our inability to overcome them will determine whether we will live a happy and a fulfilled life or whether our lives will be miserable. We've got too many miserable Christians. It's not right. Jesus has provided everything that we need in order to be able to overcome. And I'm not, as I said last week, in any way trying to minimize stuff that goes down in people's lives. There's some very severe things that happen. Uh, but God does not want us to be severely uh, hindered in our lives moving forward. Uh, and uh, so with that, I want to read again uh, the opening scripture here in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. And this is from the message translation it says unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick but a sudden break can turn life around so i'm just going to pray right now and trust god to speak to us this morning and uh really also believe that uh, any harm any damage that has happened to our lives particularly to our soul in the area of disappointments will be undone uh, and uh, we're able to move forward unhindered and unharmed Heavenly Father, this morning, we once again, we want to commit this time to you. And we thank you, Lord, that you're alive. We thank you, Lord, that your word is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And as we submit ourselves to the preaching of your word, we thank you, Father, that the power of your word, <clears throat> power of your spirit, is flowing into our lives. And we thank you, Lord God, that faith rises to new levels. We thank you, Lord God, that our expectation rises to new levels. We thank you, Father, that we're able to overcome setbacks, disappointments, hurts, and 
offenses and whatever else has gone down in our past life. And we commit our life to you afresh this morning. And Holy Spirit, we open up our heart to you right now. And we ask that you come, and Lord, uh, for those of us that need, uh, Lord, to do head surgery, to do heart surgery, to deal with the thoughts that are contrary to your word, to deal with issues in our hearts that uh, need to be uh, undone, and uh, to bring healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. Amen. So we talked about disappointments uh, of regardless whether they happen because of situations, or because of people, we have to learn to confront our disappointments and overcome them. There is no sense in carrying our disappointments to the grave, if I can use that expression. Sometimes people carry stuff with them year after year, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. At a certain point, God expects us to overcome. At a certain point, God wants to touch our lives and bring healing and uh, bring the strength to overcome issues and situations. And uh, as I said before, uh, don't want to minimize stuff that goes down in people's lives, but there are some remarkable stories of people that have been to hell and back not once, not twice, but dozens of times and bounce back and are living a, a happy life today. So folks, what I'm saying is it is possible to overcome, and we're just going to lay a hold of the knowledge that we need in order to overcome, lay a hold of the healing that God has available for each and every one of us, and then be able to move on, firing on all cylinders, as the saying goes. So again, uh, a disappointment is the sadness experienced when people or circumstances do not fulfill expectations. Um, Sadly, as I said before, sometimes people never bounce back at all. Uh, others take years to bounce back. Um, and, and yet, uh, uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ has come, that we might have life, and that we might have it more abundantly. John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And when it talks about the thief, it's talking about the devil that's using setbacks in our lives and disappointments to steal joy from us, to steal our courage, to steal our faith, to steal whatever is there to be stolen. But Jesus says, I have come that we might have life, or that you and I, as, as the people of God, would have life, and that we would have it more abundantly. And as I pointed out earlier on, that Jesus Christ is not only our Savior, but is also the healer of our hearts. Uh, he says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted, to deliver those that are captive. Uh, and sometimes disappointments hold people captive and don't want to let them go. And it's time to break through and it's time to move on. And sometimes it could be as simple as making a conscious decision to draw a line in the sand, as it were, and saying, it's enough. I've grieved enough. I've struggled enough. I've bled enough. I've complained enough. I've prayed enough. I've done everything enough. I'm going to step over the line. I'm going to move on. And I'm no longer going to let this issue hold me back, hold me down. How do you know what I'm talking about? Praise God. And so let me read to you a story from the life of David and his, uh, and his, and his men, uh, the men that followed him. At that point, there were about 300 of them. These were the guys that became David's mighty men. All right. And, and so here in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and in verse 1, it says, that it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive 
The women and those who were there, both small and great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until there was no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Tzisraelites, uh, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Camelite, uh, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the, the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his son and his daughter, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Ziklag is a city, was a city in the south of Israel. David was a fugitive. Uh, he had run away from uh, King Saul, who tried to kill him because of jealousy. Um, and when David was in this place, uh, and in the earlier place where he was hiding, some of the men, some of the fugitives also, they came to join him. They recognized that leadership was on this man's life. And uh, how do you know that everybody needs a leader? Uh, and so they came and they joined David, made him his leader, as it were, basically following what he was doing. Um, it was common in those days that raiding parties would come across from uh, neighboring countries, neighboring uh, kingdoms, if you like, uh, uh, and they came in. And when David was out uh, and his, his men were out, uh, the uh, Amalekites, who were descendants of Esau, uh, came in and they raided the city, took away all the wives, all the kids, both great and small, in other words, the young ones and the not-so-young ones, and, and no doubt all the servants, and took everything away that they could carry away and burned the rest with fire. So here is David that comes back with his, with his men, uh, and he said, mighty men. At that stage, they weren't, they weren't the mighty men. They were built to become mighty men. Uh, but anyway, they come over the hill getting back home and looking forward to be with their wives and their kids. And as they come over the hill, they see smoke ascending. And uh, suddenly they realize that uh, their, their, the worst fears would have come to pass, that the city had been, uh, as it were, attacked during their absence. They weren't even there to defend their wives and their kids. And as they came in, the Bible tells us right there that they wept until there were no more weeping left in them. Uh, or <laughs> However, it says there that they had no more power to weep. And sometimes stuff goes down that, uh, you know, if uh, our emotions need a, a release, if you like, and once we've cried and wept until there's no more power to weep, at a certain point we need to pick ourselves up and move ourselves on. For David, it was bad enough for all of these guys, all 300 including David, it was bad enough. But for David it was doubly worse because he was their leader. And because of these people's uh, grief and sadness, they thought, we need to blame somebody here. Somebody's got to fall on their sword. Somebody's head's got to roll. Uh, doesn't that sound familiar? When something goes down in our parliamentary environment, they talk about somebody needs to fall on his sword here. Uh, somebody's head needs to roll. And, you know, we need to blame somebody. Uh, even if we just figuratively, you know, somebody resigns just so that we can all feel good about ourselves. I don't know why that is, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that's human nature. Um, and so uh, it tells us here that... the. Uh, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Now let me just put a stop right there. Let me just say that when stuff goes down in our lives, human nature is to look for somebody to blame. Uh, and sure, 
you know, I mean, we have learned that things rise and fall on leadership, and leaders are responsible for their decisions, absolutely. But at the end of the day, we need to take responsibility for our own lives. We can't always blame the government. We can't always blame the boss. We can't always blame the company. We can't always blame, you know, the Americans or the Chinese, or just blame, 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 blame. You know, the blame game started way back in the Garden of Eden, that, uh, that Adam blamed his wife. <laughs> And, and, and his wife blamed him. The devil made me do it. You know, it was a serpent. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if David's man wanted to become the mighty man, they had to stop the blame game. And if you and I want to become mighty in God, we need to take responsibility for our own lives and not feel the need to blame everybody. And, uh, of course, the people spoke of stoning him. It says in the later part of verse 6, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And uh, that's in bold print in your outline. The reason why it's in bold print is because it's important. Okay? It's just very, very important. Um, uh, David uh, had learned the, the practice, the art of coming into the presence of God and drawing strength from God. And friends, every believer, sooner or later, has to learn to strengthen himself. Now, isn't it amazing how when we can, we can go out, you know, we go out shopping and we buy that item that we have been, like, uh, really wanting and we've been saving our money for, and uh, if it wasn't a rash decision or some, what do they call it, the impulse buying, and uh, we buy the thing and we carry it home, it just feels so good, it just feels so good. There is, like, a, a feel-good aspect to that. That's why some people could be called shopaholics because they feel good and then within a couple of days the feeling's gone again. So we need to get more uh, of the feel-good things so we go out and we now don't have any more money so we just swipe the credit card and buy more than what we can afford. How do you know that that's not a good time, especially at Christmas time? So that it takes on in, into February and March to pay off our credit card? Come on. Let's stay within our level of faith and within our financial capability and not get ourselves into a... Into, you know, into major debt, and then, uh, and then suddenly God has to miss out because now we can't, quote-unquote, we can't afford to tithe because after all we have to pay off our credit card. Okay? <laughs> so let's not do that, okay? And uh, I don't know how I got into all of that, but anyway, here's the point. David had learned the art to come into the presence of God and to learn strength, uh, to receive strength from Him and a building up. Because by now, I mean, he had that sinking feeling. It's like, oh man, my wife's, my kids, everything's gone. Not only that, but now all of my friends are against me. And everybody, it's like David learned to strengthen himself in the Lord. And friends, every believer has to learn that practice uh, of strengthening ourselves in the Lord. When we don't feel so good because stuff goes down, people are saying things, people make decisions that affect us and who knows what. And rather than blaming, 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 we go into the presence of God, we begin to seek God for our lives. Uh, I tell you, uh, I tell you, the Western society is just all oh, blaming the government. They're not giving me enough money. They're not the benefit. The benefit's not enough. This is not enough. That's not just blame, 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 blame. Take responsibility for your life. Nobody owes us a living, folks. We all have to carve out a living by using our God-given talents and and our strength that God's given us, and uh, and so forth to just do the best we can in life and trust God that things are gonna get better. Um, how do you strengthen yourself in the Lord? Well, here in verse 7, that David said to Abiathar the priest, 
um, Ahimelech's son, he says, bring, he says, please bring me uh, or bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now the ephod, how many know what an ephod is? We don't even use the word anymore today. But an ephod is a priestly garment that was like, like a vest, if you like, uh, to some extent a little bit like a mantle. And back then, you know, there was a whole lot of ritual that priests had to perform. There was washings and dressing up in a certain way before they could come into the presence of God. And uh, David is down because, because his wives got taken away, his kids got taken away, his city just got burned, all his friends are against him. And rather than him blaming his friends, he said, I know what I need to do. I need to go to God. So he says, bring me the ephod. And ephod was that garment, if you like, that he put on. And David just drew aside and he came into the presence of God. And it was at that point, then rather than just crying for crying's sake, and rather than complaining for complaining's sake, he put out his heart before the Lord and then he began to listen. And, uh, you know, that's a real deal that, you know, sometimes we can, our prayer sessions can be complaining sessions. <laughs> and God's not impressed by that. And it's not about impressing God. God already knows what's gone down. I mean, sure, we can let God know how we feel, but at a certain point, it's like, God, how do you expect me to handle that situation? What do you want? Lord, you have an answer. God always has an answer. God always has a solution to every situation. But the question is, are we listening? Or are we too busy blaming everybody? So David began to pray. And... Uh, he asked God if he should go after uh, the Amalekites. And God says, yes, go after them. Will I recover all? God says, yes, you'll recover all. Sometimes it seems like we are losing something. Like something is taken from us. But if we keep our attitude right and not blame somebody, go into the presence of God, that not only will we recover what has been lost, but God will make up for it and God will take us beyond where we've been before. That's a spiritual law. You know, they say that, uh, that attitude determines altitude. And this is true not only uh, in the natural, when, you know, having the right attitude in our work situation and in our family situation, it's also true in the realm of the spirit. If our attitude is bad, we're not in faith. And if we're in faith, we can't have a bad attitude. The two don't go together. So it's good to have a checkup from the neck up. As uh, our friend Cole Stringer would say, uh, is having a checkup from the neck up and say, what's my attitude like? And not just checking up in our head, but checking, checking up in our heart. Am I offended here? Uh, am I blaming somebody? What's going on in my life? I have to deal to that because not only do I want to recover all, but I want to go beyond. Praise God. I can see that you're really excited about my preaching this morning. Thank you for your enthusiasm. This is very helpful. And I'll repent for <laughs> sarcasm later. <laughs> Man, that was bad. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Praise God. Prayer, praise, thanksgiving, and confession of the word brings God's solutions and God's strength into our lives. Praise God. Here is what David said, Psalm 42, verse 5. 
He says, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. Now please note, the situation is bad. <laughs> the city is burned. The wives and the kids are taken away. And all of their stuff is taken away. There's no Christmas presents left under the tree. Things are very bad. But he says, come on, soul. Pick yourself up. Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. And you see, if you read through the Psalms, I mean, there is some complaining going on in there. But at a certain point, after we've complained, it's like, okay, God, what are you saying in this situation? Uh, can I recover all? Can I, can I go after that? Or, or have you got something else for me? You know, disappointment is our soul's response to a negative situation resulting in that sinking feeling of the heart. How do you know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, like that sinking feeling. Um, and, uh, and if it's severe, it can be so bad that you're feeling physical pain in the area of your heart. And that the stomach turns into a knot. And <laughs> all sorts of things are going on at that point in time. Sinking feeling because of disappointment. You know, a major disappointment is a potential attack against a person and it has the potential to rob a person of faith, of confidence, and of joy, and of happiness. So friends, let's not wallow in disappointment. It'll do damage, and I'm not saying irreparable because Jesus at any stage, uh, if we open up our heart to him, can come in and undo the damage. But why let this thing sit there day after day week after week, month after month, and year after year, and do damage to our soul. God has appointed us to a life of joy, but disappointment is trying to disappoint us from a life of joy. For me, to understand what this deal is all about, for me, uh, the meaning of words is very important, and particularly, uh, you know, for like for many of you, when English is our second language, not our first language. We want to get our head around this thing. It's like, what does it mean to disappoint? Well, if we take, break the word apart and take the dis away, when somebody is appointed into something, then they're lifted into a particular position. God has appointed every believer to a life of joy and of peace and of happiness. And then the devil comes in and he uses disappointment to move me out of that position and to put me into a position of sadness and of grief and of just relentless, uh, ongoing uh, sadness and sinking of the heart that goes on and on and on and on, and time will not fix that. Is that helping anybody? So disappointment is like a leech trying to drain joy from us. We don't have leeches here in New Zealand. Uh, we don't even have ticks here. I grew up and we had ticks. Go out into the forests and you come back uh, inevitably with a tick somewhere and then some, you think, what's going on here? And you know, they usually sort of try to attach themselves somewhere where you can't easily get to them and these things latch on. They will literally power through your skin and they draw, uh, they draw, they draw. And then in some places they got them leeches. Horrible things. They draw blood. Okay. And disappointment is like a leech 
that draws joy. And if you haven't got any joy, it could well be that you've experienced a, a, a disappointment somewhere and somehow, somehow, you haven't got over it. And God's saying, it's time to get over it. It's time to move on. Disappointment doesn't just try to fasten itself to a select few. See, the storms of life come to everybody. But we have to learn to shake off disappointment before it does damage to the soul. Let me read you from Job chapter 10. Book of Job, chapter 10, verse 1. Job speaking. My soul loathes my life. Another translation says, I hate my life. Another translation says, I'm so disappointed with my life. So Job clearly had some stuff go down that knocked him around a bit. Chris uh, lost his kids. Similar situation again. Just very, very sad. He says, I will give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Do you know, um, if we leave food sitting around too long, um, particularly if it's not refrigerated, it'll go sour. If we leave bitterness, sit, uh, if we leave disappointment sitting around long enough, it can turn into bitterness. And uh, the Bible speaks of a root of bitterness. That uh, the root, it goes so deep into our soul that it'll take a bit of doing to yank that thing out and by the power of God it's possible. But at a certain point, people need help. They can't get this deal out by themselves. Bitterness of soul is a secondary condition. Do you know they talk about, uh, in the medical field, they talk about infections. And then um, people sometimes, if they can't be dealt with with medication, people have to go into hospital and have to distinctly de dealt to. And then they develop a secondary infection that's the result of the primary infection. And then it requires just, you know, stronger medication to get this deal sorted out. Disappointment is like an infection that needs dealing with, and if it's not dealt with, it'll turn into a secondary infection called bitterness of soul. It's one thing to experience a major disappointment. It's quite another to allow bitterness to set in and to fester away. And sometimes you can see bitterness on people's countenance, you can hear it in the words that they speak because by now it's not just complaining, it's now poison being spat out because after all their whole insides is all messed up. And that's where Jesus comes in. If we open up our life to him and bring that disappointment to him and even repent of having wallowed in the disappointment and even in the bitterness for month after month or possibly year after year, and ask him to remove it. He absolutely will. Of course, uh, there is that uh, surgery type deal that can happen. It's a bit like something that happens in hospital. But after we come out of hospital, have you not? It's a good idea to 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 live healthy, make sure we get enough rest, enough sleep, proper nutrition, and everything. And so it is when Jesus touches our lives. But when we come away from the operating table, when we come away from the altar call situation, we still have to go and do the spiritual disciplines. Uh, still hear the word, confess the word, uh, be a doer of the word, uh, and so forth, in order to uh, make sure that we can move on. There is a passage here in 
Ezekiel chapter 37, and in verse 11, he's God speaking to the prophet uh, in, in the, what we call the valley of the dry bones. Uh, many believers are familiar with that passage. We usually preach from it at least one, once a year because there's such great typology in, the, in there that, uh, you know, that God wants to breathe on us. God wants to raise up an army. God wants to resurrect uh, something that has, been, has, been, has died, as it were. And here in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 11, um, then God said to me, this is the prophet speaking, he says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and bring you up again from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Now Ezekiel is a prophet that was prophesying during the days of the captivity. When Israel was up in Babylon, they had been captured, carried away, um, resettled if you like. They were not in Israel. They were not in their own country. They were not near the temple. They were not where they wanted to be. Things were not all that good. And people were saying, oh, that's just, it's just all too much. Our hope's gone. Our bones are dry. And we ourselves are cut off. It's interesting sometimes when bad situation happens that uh, the flesh has an ability to blow things way out of proportion um, and to cause us to focus only on the bad and we can't see the good. You know, in the middle of it all, that sometimes <laughs> stuff just happened where but sometimes even breathing is difficult. It's like, it's even breathing is difficult. But how good it is to be able to breathe. <laughs> if I'm breathing... It means I'm alive. <laughs> and, uh, and just being able to look up and to see the sunshine, I mean, stuff, bad stuff goes down, but just being able to see the sunshine, wow. You know, we can just put everything in perspective. Get a grip of a, a reality check on the situation and say, yes, things are bad, but there's a whole lot of good to still behold. There's a whole lot of good stuff going on. And they say that our bones are dry. It's like, oh, man, it's just this is bad. Our hope's gone. Our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. And God says to Ezekiel, therefore, he said, prophesy, prophesy, Ezekiel, say, thus says the Lord. Do you know, uh, disappointments will happen. As I said before, the storms of life come to everybody. But God needs us to walk by faith so that there can be a resurrection. God wants to bring a resurrection into every, every situation. I don't mean physically that necessarily... You know, loved ones that have died will be brought back to life. I'm not talking about that just now. I'm talking about when something has gone down and when there has been a loss. God wants there to be a resurrection that we can be restored again to a life of joy. If money has been lost, God wants us to recover money. If friendships have been torn up, God wants to bring restoration into friendship. Whatever has gone down, God wants to bring a God solution into that situation. They say, our hope's gone. We're cut off. It's all lost. But God says, prophesy, thus says the Lord. Folks, we have to learn to prophesy God's word to ourselves. If you are a person that is practicing the spiritual discipline of confessing the word, you're really, in many respects, the prophet of your own life. 
And rather than waiting for somebody to come to you and encourage you and tell you what God's Word says, which is very good, by the way, it is better to tell yourself what God's Word says. To prophesy God's Word to yourself and say, yes, things are not looking too good, but thus says the Lord. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I might feel like it right now, but God says I'm the head and not the tail, that I'm above only and not beneath. And all of this other stuff that we find in the Word of God. And to absolutely learn to prophesy God's Word to ourselves. You see, when disappointment sets in, we don't need to hear what our soul has to say. We need to hear what God has to say. It's just somehow that our soul doesn't have the capability of telling us good things in a, dis- in a disappointing situation. The flesh most certainly can't think of anything good to say. The flesh wants to blame somebody. The flesh wants to wallow in the disappointment um, and, uh, and just tell the same story to everybody all, all over again. And after we have complained, we complain a bit more if we're in the flesh and the flesh wants to complain some more after that. It's just the nature of the flesh. But in our spirit, it's like David when he had lost his wives and his kids and the uh, The city was burned. All his friends were against him. It's like, I'm not feeling good here. But in himself, he knew that in his spirit, he picked himself up. He says, where's the ephod? I need to come into the presence of God. What's the New Testament ephod? The Bible speaks of the breastplate of righteousness. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We don't need to muck around with fancy clothing. We just come into the presence of God through the name of Jesus Christ. Don't wallow. Don't drag this thing out long. As oh, I just want to feel sorry for myself. Just one more day. Just give me one more day. Now stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop it. We need to hear what God's Word says. If we learn to control our thoughts and feelings, we can control the effects that disappointments have on our lives. I remember hearing a testimony of a pastor's wife some years ago forget where the setting was, but a lovely lady, and she got up and she began to talk about how she had such incredible days of depression, just incredible depression. Um, She'd just say, I'll just go home, I'll I'll be at home, I'll draw the curtains, close them all up, because somehow um, the flesh feels better when it's dark. The flesh doesn't want any sunlight. The flesh doesn't want to get better right now. So draw the curtains. As I put on the television, I watch a soap opera, and I go to the pantry and bring out some chocolate, and I sit there, and I eat chocolate, and I watch soap operas, and I just feel, uh, I feel bad about myself. Uh, well, if you watch soap operas, uh, then you get what you deserve. You, you start feeling worse than what you did before. Come on now. Watching all of these sad movies. <laughs> You get what you deserve. You feel worse afterwards. But at what point will you pull the curtains aside and say, it's time for some sunshine in my life? At what point will you put on that ephod and come into the presence of God and say, Lord, I know how I feel about my situation, but what are you saying about my situation? Just very quickly now as we move along in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So what are we to pray about? About everything. Everything. Tell God what you need. 
and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So, I mean, this is pra- I mean, if we talk about practicality, I mean, this is very practical information. What's thought or instruction number one? Do not worry. Okay? Uh, we, we have been told that uh, where the Bible says don't worry or don't fret or take no worry some thought for tomorrow or such like, if we counted them all up, there's at least 365 of those pieces of instruction. So it's been said that we got uh, uh, a do not worry for every day of every year. So we ought not to spend, spend a single day uh, in our lives worrying. Just not at all. Not at all. Not even an hour uh, is part of our part of our day. Not even a minute. Now, because initially it's like this thing comes on and there is a temptation to worry, but at a certain point it's like the Bible says, cast your cares and your worries on the Lord for He cares for you. Jesus says you cannot add one, one cubit or one centimeter to your height. You, you can't do anything with worry or nothing positive anyway. So he says, do not worry. Take no worry some thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't plan for tomorrow. Of course we plan. Uh, but worrying is not going to help us. It's been said that worry and faith don't work in the same heart at the same time. Okay? So if there's worry in our heart, it means that faith isn't working at that particular moment. Even common sense will tell us to reject every worry, some thought, and to fill our heart with faith-filled uh, thoughts and, and, and so forth. So number one, do not worry. Number two, pray and thank God for the answer even before it manifests. In everything, give thanks, the Bible says, or, or offer your prayer with thanksgiving. So we go before God, we, we ask Him to, to, to show us what to do, to tell us what to do, and we wait, but sometimes I'm finding that uh, even if I wait for a long time, I don't get an answer right in that particular moment in the sense of, oh, now I know what to do. So I just come away from there and I thank God by faith that I have the answer. I, I've received it by faith, but I don't know what it is right now. But I just carry on. And sometimes before the day is out, sometimes first thing in the morning, sometimes last thing at night time, suddenly there's a God solution. Because God hears our prayer and God doesn't forget our prayer. Sometimes we forget our prayers, but God doesn't forget our prayer. And if you've asked God for wisdom, the Bible says He will give us wisdom. It doesn't always come in the way that we expect it to come and not necessarily always at the time that we expect it to come. So pray and thank God for the answer even before it manifests. And number three, this is a big one, fix your thoughts on the good things in life. Good things in life. Can you breathe? <sighs> Praise God, how awesome is that? Fresh air. Can you see me? I can see you. Wonderful it is to know that we have eyesight and, and, and you know, praise God for people that haven't got eyesight and God's got healing for them, but otherwise, I mean, how wonderful. Sunshine, um, 
uh, you know, just family, friends, um, people. Um, and, and the more thankful we are, the more friends we'll have. Nobody wants to hang out with a sour grape and a pickled baptized in lemon juice. Somebody? Come on. Fix your thoughts on the good things in life. I'm poking you a little bit today, aren't I? I'm poking myself at the same time. I get into a bit of a state occasionally and just got to, well, come on now, pick yourself up. Let's be happy now. We've wallowed enough. <laughs> and number four, resist the temptation to rehash every disappointing situation. And if I had a hit more space, I would have written in, the, in brackets over and over and over. Don't do that. Just in the last while, just had something go down. Just something that burdened me and troubled me. And and uh, and um, thinking, how do I fix that? I can't fix it. I haven't got the power to fix it. You know, men are fixers. Men want to fix things. And uh, that's why, you know, we fix it. And then we get together with our mates. We don't know what to talk about. You know, like and ladies get together. They've cups of tea and they sip their coffee and they got their face-to-face -face fellowship and they just, nothing needs fixing but they got so much to talk about. How, how wonderful. You know, ladies are very comfortable with face-to-face -face discussion. Blokes, shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. Let's not look into each other's eyes over a cup of coffee. Let's not do that. <laughs> and, uh, and I look at my screen and Vanessa says, look at me, look at me, give me eye contact. <laughs> Just... <laughs> so resist the temptation. The flesh has a default setting, it'll find the problem. How do you know that, uh, <laughs> uh, talking about dentists and teeth and things, uh, when something is, is wrong in, in, in our teeth, it's just that tongue just has that ability to just, you know, that find that broken piece. Just that's, that's where it wants to go. And you don't even think about it consciously. Uh, you, but some subconsciously, it just always finds the problem. The flesh just subconsciously, just, it'll just go to where the problem is every time. If you're in the flesh, you go to where the problem is. And if you're always where the problem is, you're in the flesh. I just can't put it any, any simpler than that. So I had this situation and I'm praying about it and come away and say, well, Lord, I cast my care upon the Lord. I come away and it's still there. So I go back again. And, 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 and in the end, I said, well, Lord, I'm, I'm just casting that thing. I do not have the power to fix that thing. I'm casting it on you and I'm, I'm not doing anything else. And I wake up a couple of days later and, and God says, it's done. It's done. Well, I don't know how it's been fixed. I don't know. I just It's beyond me. I don't even know all the ins and outs. But God said it's done. So when this thing comes to me, I say it's done. The prophet, God prophesied to me and he says it's done. So I now have the choice of wallowing and I've now have the choice of being all burdened down or I now have the choice of putting God's word over that situation and say it is done. It is done. It is done. And sometimes it may mean that we go into God's presence a, a few times. Uh, it's not to say that God hasn't heard us for the first time. But if we don't get a release in the Spirit for the first time, we need to go back again and deal to this thing and bring the Word out and say, Lord, you said. And tell ourselves what the Word says 
And at a certain point, it's come away and say, Lord, I'm burdened in your presence. I'm now coming away and the burden's not coming with me. Come out and the flesh wants to grab it again. Say, no, no, no. We resist the temptation to rehash every disappointing situation and over and over because after all, we're now thinking about pure things, good things, positive things. And it might mean that we might have to change what we read. You know, Woman's Weekly magazine not a very happy magazine. Um, and some of these uh, magazines is like, oh, you know, like it's, it's that the girls get all down. Oh, I don't look like her. Well, she's a model. She's been airbrushed. Come on. Blogs look at, oh man, look at him. I don't look like him, but he's been oiled down to make his bulges look a bit bigger. Just relax yourself. Just don't look at that stuff. There comes a Mercedes-Benz driving down the road. Oh, I want one. Oh, the heart sinks. I've got to drive my car now. Just say, there goes my future car. There it is. Wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, the Bible says. Tell yourself what the Word says. Anyway, I think I've practically said everything that I wanted to say. <laughs> Praise God, I don't know about you, but I've had a checkup from the neck up. Hallelujah. No more wallowing in disappointments. No more rehashing setbacks. Time to move on. It's the end of the year, folks. And don't wait until the 31st before you draw a line in the sand and leave 2012 behind. Leave it behind now. You'll find it difficult to get into 2013 in a happy frame of mind if you're dragging all the problems with you as you go. And, and just let it go. Praise God. Last week we had some wonderful time of prayer and uh, not sensing that God wants us to pray for anybody today uh, as in, you know, praying over laying hands on people and so forth. I just feel that the preaching of the word has broken the power of these things thoroughly and with the anointing and prayer that's already happened, it's now time to move on. Um, how many know what I'm talking about? Praise God. Let's bow our heads as we close in a word of prayer. Father, this morning, we once again we remind ourselves that you're a good God and that, Lord, you said that you know the thoughts that you think towards us. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us hope and to give us a future. And Lord, right now, we choose to walk by faith and not by sight. We choose to rise above the level of the flesh and the level of the blame game, and we choose to take responsibility for our own lives. And Lord, things may not, might not be too good right now, but we know they're getting better as we walk by faith. We thank you, Lord God, that there's going to be a resurrection. We thank you, Father, that there's going to be breakthrough, and we receive it right now. We declare it's broken through. We, we say it's resurrected. We say it's done in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I declare the blessing of God over every uh, person uh, here today, over every family that is rep represented, every business. We decree prosperity. We dec decree financial breakthrough. We declare over every bank account that every bit of debt is paid. And we declare that we are prospering abundantly. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've come, that we might have life, and that we might have it more abundantly. Not just in our spirit, but in our soul and in our body, in our finances, 
in our social life, in our family life, in every area of our life. Lord, you've blessed us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.